Well, before we start, let me give a quick shout out to one of Reach Australia's National Conference sponsors, Church Finance Central. Whether you're involved in a new church plan or part of a larger established church, your church finances like your bookkeeping, payroll and reports are an important element of managing church life. But this can often be complex and it's hard to find help and it can distract you from ministry. So why not reach out to Church Finance Central, a specialist service in this area. You can learn more at churchfinancecentral.com, churchfinancecentral.com. LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Madeline Galea. G'day. I'm not saying g'day. G'day. That's in the script. I'm Scott Sanders and (laughs) welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel centered ministry every week. Now, Maddie, you are on a self-imposed TV ban. I am. Yes. You know what? It's one of the best decisions I've actually ever made. So what's been the fruit of it? You've been getting uh, more into the Word. Yeah. You've been yeah. pushing into relationships at church. You've been more focused at the office. Can I answer? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm intrigued. I've, yeah. Well, lots of evening walks, which has been nice. It's, yeah, it's more time. I actually have read the Bible more. It's honestly just very, yeah, it's helpful. Uh, it clears a lot of headspace. I've been working more, but... You're missing out on that water cooler conversation, though. Not that uh, we have a water cooler. Yeah, but you can stay. You can stay up to date with the you know shallow celebrities of the world and not watch <laughs> any TV. <laughs> so don't worry, I'm fine. Now the one thing is brought to you with thanks to Reach Australia. We want to see thousands of healthy, evangelistic, multiplying churches courageously reaching the lost across Australia. For now, you press play on another episode of the One Thing: Closing Down Ineffective Programs. Yeah. So if we're going to reach Australia, we're going to need to start new churches, new programs. Uh, But at the same time, we don't have unlimited resources. Sometimes it might be necessary along the way to close down ineffective programs that don't reach the lost or mature believers. And help us think through that today, we have Gary Eastman. Hello. Hi, Madeline. Thanks for joining us and for joining. You've joined the staff team here at Reach Australia. I have indeed. It's great. Yeah. And you were the senior minister at St. Mark's UNE in Armidale. Correct. Uh, you are now the strengthening consultant, working with church plants, uh, particularly church planners, supporting them, equipping them. Uh, raising them and uh, going on the journey with them through yeah. planting and then uh, after that, strengthening them. Yep. Great. And it says here that you're a windsurfer. Yeah, Did I was you put that in your bio or what? Uh, that, you know. Also that you're good around a horse and I'm terrified of horses. So I did not and I'm not. It's <laughs> <laughs> lies. But his wife is excellent around a horse. She and, is indeed. Oh, okay. yeah, you I, are I, a good windsurfer. Come on, this is an opportunity to talk about one of your passions. I just Championship? Yeah. <laughs> just throwing in words now. Uh I, I do race a windsurfer. I'm I'm average, like I have been with every sporting endeavour ever in my life. <laughs> I've just been entirely average, but I enjoy it. Yeah, I like the honesty. Now yeah. it's the start of 2022. It's a key time to be talking about uh, closing down ineffective programs, or 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 is it? At the start of the year, you should be opening things up, getting things started. Um, so, Gary, can you tell us when is it a good time to close down stuff at church? 
Uh, yeah, ideally, it's in the planning phase, isn't it? As you're heading into a new year, so it might be that uh, right this time, things are cranking up and it might be a little late to sort of start that conversation for stuff that's uh, getting better down for this year. But certainly, this might be a time when you're thinking deeper into the year. Uh, you might be thinking about major events that happen every single year and uh, they're coming up in three, six, nine months' time. Um, it's always a good time to be thinking about your programs, how effective they are, and whether they are in fact a worthwhile use of resources. Mm. So we've, we've kind of deliberately chosen ineffective. Yeah, some might uh, say thinking in terms of effectiveness or not is a bit unspiritual. Um, but I want to push back on that and maybe suggest that it's a bit unspiritual to have no concern for the fruitfulness of a program, uh, to not have an eye on how you're stewarding resources. I think it's important to examine things in that way. If we think about effectiveness then, and you think about sort of whole wide church programs, it seems to me that you know as a church goes on in time, you, you, you're always kind of just adding things, you know, yeah. rather than actually stopping things. Mm. We've just sort of coming out of the out of a period of lockdown where we've had to shut down a lot of stuff, you know, mm. because of government, you know, government regulation and just because of necessity. Yeah, what have you seen, kind of, I guess, in your years of experience of you know working in, in churches in terms of programs? and other things. Yeah, stuff gets locked into the program and uh, they're never considered again. So you have this uh, conversation about starting something. It might have happened three, five, 50 years ago <laughs> that something was started and it becomes non-negotiable. But I'm gonna say the church is non-negotiable. That's God's plan for reaching the world. Um, he works through people as he gathers the church to reach a lost world. Uh, but anything beyond that is negotiable. Can you define for us what is an ineffective program? Like, is it growth? Is it it's not in line with what it originally set out to be? Is it something else? I think I'd want to say what it's set out to be. Well, it depends what you've set out to do. I think a lot of things get started and actually they were never clear in the first place. Yeah, okay. In, in terms of uh, what was actually being aimed at. Uh, but God has called us to make disciples. Mm. And we want to think in terms of growing everyone mature in Christ. Uh, that's the broad aim. And I think a lot of the times we do things that feel effective. A mob might turn up. People might really enjoy it. But actually, it's not growing greater numbers of mature disciples. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful, though, actually thinking from the start. What are we actually intending to do? Mm. Um, did we actually achieve it and again over time things just get lost we we're not intentional and purposeful in, in why we're doing things so mm. again coming back to that and also assessing is this you know is this what we uh, what we wanted to do mm. now Gary you have you have uh, got rid of an all you know organ from a church haven't you in the past so you know you've you've not only uh, you know shut stuff down but you've got rid of Really helpful musical instruments that you know proclaim You'd be great life-giving on the organ, words. You know, no, I'm not great. On, my wife's great on the organ, oh, sure. but uh, but um, but I am not. I cannot play the piano <laughs> no, I was at joking, all. But, but but there's there's something you know that for yeah. a time the organ was the was the musical instrument, fantastic. Mm. But you, I know I know from your history that you've actually gotten rid of organs. Am I allowed to say that out loud, Gary, or not? I'm not sure that you were, Scott. <laughs> okay, but, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this particular organ uh, was not uh, perhaps uh, the most valuable instrument and it was taking up, uh, at that point in time, very valuable space. Um, we needed every little seating spot we could manage uh, in the mm -hmm. church I was at at the time. 
and the organ was probably past its useful date. And so uh, with agreement of those who were attached to it, it, it was removed from the church. <laughs> So very respectfully. So can you give us some more examples of uh, of ineffective programs? I want mean, to talk there about, you know, again, you've you've been think thoughtful about space. I think space is one of those things that has so much emotion, you know. My husband built that hall, you know, our family gave to that. You know, spaces can be very emotional, but so too can programs and regular activities. Yes. So Gary, can you give us some examples of things that you've closed down in in your ministry? There's a whole range of things uh, that could be considered here. It could be a prayer meeting, um, and I have had regular prayer meetings that I've decided just weren't worthwhile continuing. You know, a prayer meeting is a great thing. Who could consider that a bad thing? But it just wasn't achieving its desired outcome of gathering the saints in prayer. For the literally two or three who were gathering every single week, hoping more would turn up, mm. they kind of liked it, but it just wasn't uh, achieving the outcome that uh, we're after at that time. Uh, we could be talking about um, a men's breakfast, which was designed to be an outreach. That had a great community around it. A lot of men were coming to that all the time, but over years and years and years, there just hadn't been any conversion fruit out of that. If we wanted to get together just to enjoy fellowship and have a breakfast together, it was probably working well, but as an outreach, it wasn't working well. And so we stopped doing that. Mm. Congregations, I've had two congregations um, that were effective as a gathering of the saints, encouraging one another, um, but they were soaking up resources and we joined congregations together. This was two different churches, a couple of different times. So, for a you know, so I assume that at one point in time that congregation was started uh, it was started a pur you know, with a purpose, but as you say, over time, it's lost that focus. Mm. And also, over time, the, the church has changed as well. Um, you know, our churches do age sometimes, and, you know, new demographics move into the area. And so what was once, you know, a right, good, helpful time, uh, you know, needs to change. But also what was also once a great group of people where, you know, where there was energy and life, you know, over time they peter out and need re, you know, revitalising and re-energising. Yeah, and in each case, actually, um, people are very attached to it, and mm. rightly mm. so. And there has been a season of fruitful ministry, and that should be celebrated. And uh, people get feel a sense of loyalty not only to the people around them, but to that history. And so that tends to be the categories that they think in. And so they're hanging on, even though they're feeling really stretched and stressed and burnt out by it all. Mm. They have this great sense of not wanting to let people down. Um, but I was given the opportunity just to lead that conversation into a bigger sort of context of thinking about disciple making and using the resources across the parish. And once people see that bigger perspective and are given permission to think in those categories rather than simply just loyal to that loyalty to that history and to their friends, to the people they're meeting with each week. So, uh, so yeah, that led to a really good outcome. Yeah, yeah. so partially, how, how are you having those conversations? You've just talked about the, the, the big picture, helping people see what it looks like in a context, you know, this gathering looks like in the context of the whole church. Well, Scott, I've distilled five things here, which oh, I'm not okay, sure great. are definitive. Yeah, no, this is good. Um, and so it's not a direct answer to the question, but how about I'll kick you these five things yeah. and um, then we can go from there. Here's the first thing I want to say about um, making significant change. 
um, I've got in mind the example of uh, closing down those or merging those congregations. You could apply this to lots of things. The first thing is don't go rogue. Um, we're talking about a change management situation. Uh, depending on your leadership structure in your church, uh, you'll have council, you'll have elders. Uh, you need to be working through those structures, both in a formal procedural kind of sense, but also in terms of recruiting allies into that change. Um, when I've raised these sorts of issues with leadership, very often the response has been, they're going, yeah, we have seen for years that something needs to be done about mm. that, but we just haven't seen a way to navigate the relational aspects. So don't go rogue, work through your leadership structure. So number two, start with disciple making. I think the really unwise version of this conversation is to start and stop just with the negative. Your ministry isn't working, here's all the evidence, you're done, it's mm. over. Um, that might be right, and you might be within your rights as leader, but you'd probably be unwise to have that sort of conversation. So you need to start, and we're going to come to it, you're going to finish with disciple making as well. All right, so in change management, we don't want to go rogue. We don't want, it is a, a disciple making opportunity, not just for leadership team, but obviously, yeah, for our volunteers to bring our teams along with us in the process. Uh, what's number three? Encourage self-examination. Um, the best way is to ask questions. Mm. How do the leaders of that ministry think it's going? Yeah. Are they encouraged about the progress it's made? Um, you might end up with an ally and not an adversary. Mm. Um, it's at this point that I've had a number of people just express relief that yeah. someone's been interested and picked up on where the ministry is going. They see the issue, but they haven't felt they had permission to raise it. You know, it's that loyalty to the people around them or maybe to the history. No, I like that because if uh, if we're on a team and we we have an evangelistic ministry and you say to me, Maddie, you know what, In the la la let's have a look. In the last two years, no one's become a Christian. Are we okay with that, you know, with our whole team, or, you know? And I don't think we are okay with that. So we maybe we can change something, maybe we close it, you know, but it starts that conversation. Because I'd never say, yeah, I'm okay with no one becoming a Christian. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So the, the disciple-making aspect, yeah. it's very hard to have disagreement on that. Yeah. And yeah. recognising that people go through a process of grief as well. Just actually pastorally being aware mm. that you've probably in your head thought this over, thought through a whole bunch of things. You're, you're there. You've gone through that grieving process. But the people you're talking with are, are still yet to have that opportunity to go, oh, this, there's a loss here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's number four? Number four, finish the conversation with disciple making. And what I mean by that is, unless there's something about the person's character that disqualifies them, make the conversation about the closing of a ministry, not their ministry. Mm have another aspect of disciple making for them to get involved in. Um, that's a really positive conversation to point them into. So, hey, we're on about disciple making together and maybe this isn't working so well. We've got agreement there, but here's another exciting opportunity for us to sow into. Yeah, great. And number five? Honour and celebrate, mm -hmm. number five. Um, if it's closing something significant, um, honour and celebrate yeah. what's been done. Um, that's the grieving pastoral aspect, Scott. Mm. So it might be even a special evening if it's been something really significant over the life of the church. Um, it might be just something you do in your Sunday gatherings or just your weekly email. Uh, make it genuine, make it Christ-centred mm. and mission clarifying. That helps the congregation to know what's going on. Um, it helps to it helps them to see what you're on about as well. Mm, yeah.
really brings people along with you as well, yeah. Hopefully. Uh, what did you not realize about closing down ineffective programs before you did it? The extent to which people are very often sitting there feeling burned out, feeling frustrated, feeling unsure about how to change anything, mm. and they're just so relieved very often when you sit them down and have a loving, clear conversation yeah. that's centred on the mission. Two or three weeks. I remember the first week in the merged congregation at a church I was at in Sydney. There'd been so much heat, so much emotion. The first week, everyone came together. People were saying, oh, wow, the singing's wonderful. Look at all our kids having a great time together. Mm. Two or three weeks later, people were saying, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm not on a team every single week. I'm not on two teams this week. Mm. I get to sit and enjoy church and be served by others some weeks. Three or four weeks later, no one was talking about going back. Mm. It mm. just needed the courage to weigh things up in disciple-making terms, to think about the stewardship of resources and what was going to be fruitful. And that was an absolute hinge moment for the life of the church. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's even helped, like uh, merging congregations, very significant. You might want 18 months to do that. You start a ministry, it goes for a month, and you think this isn't working, we close it for some reason. You could probably do that quite quickly. Mm. So the longer, maybe the more buy-in people have, the longer they've been serving, factor that in, in terms of how quickly you, you close it. I think it's really helpful, Madeline, the, um, just to build it into the way you talk about ministries. I would often say there's no strategy or ministry that's sacrosanct. Mm. You know, everything can be sort of shifted or changed or ended just depending on what's working. So you build that into conversations all the way along and that helps people to be ready for yeah. change if yeah. that becomes necessary. Yeah. Now, one of the things we often talk about uh, and often say is that a church will never change until the pain of not changing is greater than the pain of changing. So let me say that again. A church will never change until the pain of not changing is greater than the pain of changing. Yeah, what, mm. what does that mean? <laughs> what's, that, what's that saying? People will do the same thing for a long time, potentially forever, even if it's not working, um, if they don't feel the pain of the lost around them. I think that's what it's saying. And so we need to lead people from the scriptures, looking at the people who are lost around them with the vision of mature saints for their church. If that's clear on view, hopefully a godly discontent grows so that they will want to go through the pain of changing so they can go out looking for the lost, mm. um, going for maturity amongst them. All right, talking about the heart, what kind of uh, fears did you have about closing uh, something down? Yeah, lots of fears, Madeline. Mm. The um, fear of conflict. It's not pleasant to upset people and to have people upset with you. I've got some really clear memories which of uh, standing in front of congregations by myself with people in tears of anger yeah. and being upset uh, over a decision that I was proposing. Uh, it can feel easier to let it be. Mm. Only feel in the moment, um, but I'm pretty sure that's not true in the long term. A fear of failure, you need to take responsibility and that means owning things when they don't work out as well as you'd hoped. And that's a possibility. Um, fear of just discouraging people. Um, often we're talking about things that people are very attached to. Scott's already mentioned that. 
uh, in this conversation. You know, people get very attached to ministries and to some degree, rightly so. Mm. There might be a history that they want to honour, a season, a long season of fruitfulness that they've celebrated in the past, they cherish and they want to see it happen again. And we don't want to discourage them Mm. by ending something that they're very attached to. What's the one thing you want to say about closing down ineffective programs? Keep the conversation centred on disciple making. Great answer. Most (laughs) succinct person we've ever had. Nice and clear. Uh, What's in the toolbox? It'd be great to download the Reach Australia Framework ebook, or if you've already downloaded, worthwhile just pulling out number two, being faithful with the means. I'm going to be really helpful to read that through with your team and have a think about that. Uh, Also, I think one of the helpful things that Gary's pushed us towards is actually uh, taking responsibility for those hard decisions, but also giving that responsibility as well. So uh, principle three, giving and taking responsibility would be another one, again, just to reflect on with your team. Second thing is uh, it's an article on the Gospel Coalition, just sort of providing a counterpoint to to Gary, you know, pushing into effectiveness and, and our sort of questions around effectiveness. So it's an article on the danger of measurable outcomes. And the third one, Gary's mentioned, obviously, Cotter's book. There's a whole bunch of resources on change. I reckon it'd be worthwhile, uh, as you're thinking of this, jumping into resources that push into that personal heart side of things and how people respond. Particularly if you're like me, you're a high T, you're a high thinker, and you don't actually think about people's feelings uh, often. (laughs) Worthwhile (laughs) to push into that. Yeah, all right. I'm Thank all right, but but, it, uh, but I, no, I, I, know. I appreciate I the vulnerability. I don't land. I don't land there, and I actually need people to um, you know push into that. So again, yeah. I realise most pastors probably have more feelings than me, <laughs> but but if you're not, uh, then I think the people side of change is really important. That's good. What? There's no well-rounded leader, just a well-rounded church. Totally. Yeah. Yes, there is, Patty. There's yeah, no. Well, there's true. no. So it's okay. It needs you know? a team. Yeah, we need a team. Thanks, Gary, for joining us. It's been great to be here. Great to have you. Well, we'd love to have you join us at the Reach Australia National Conference, 16th to the 19th of May. Have you registered? We have 550, but we by the time this podcast is I have, out... I have registered now, Maddie. I am. am <laughs> I have registered, so I've finally done that email that you sent me a few weeks ago. Yay. Really appreciate that. I'll be that. coming. That's good. Uh, Something you guys may not be aware of is the Reach Australia Network Dinner. So it's on the Monday night, 16th of May at EV. You can sign up for it as you register for the main conference. Uh, But it's an opportunity to celebrate over a meal all the church plants over the last 12 months. Those have been in the development program. Just really a good opportunity to thank God for the work that he's done, continues to do through the network. So go to reachaustralia.com.au to register for the Reach Australia Network Dinner. I'm Madeleine Galea. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon. soon. Oh. <laughs>